Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, 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 What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 180 of the Power Company podcast brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I know I've been rushing through these intros because we've been so busy. Frankly, I've been ridiculously stressed, um, which is not the norm for me. And now that that stress has dissipated, we've gotten some things finished. We're we're in the home stretch of a few other things. I just kind of want to take a little bit of time, let you know where we're at, what we're doing, what we're up to, and what's coming for the future. I know that some of you out there are fans and uh, followers, and I appreciate that hugely. And I, I want to make sure that I'm talking to you, letting you know where we're at what we're up to. I also recently listened to a podcast episode from a friend of mine that I think is hugely important and needs to get more traction. And I'm going to play a clip of that for you today and send you over to his podcast because I really think you need to hear this episode. If you're following what I'm doing, you're going to want to follow what he's doing as well. All right. So since I don't really plan these intros out. Let's see if we can do this in a somewhat orderly fashion instead of me just rambling. First off, recent episode with Paul Piana. The response to his Big Walls book, uh, the signed copies, was amazing. And in response to that, Amy Skinner drove toward Paul. Paul drove toward Amy. They met in the middle. They had Paul sign more books. Um, like I said, Amy had a boatload of them. And so Paul has got more signed books. We have more of those on our website. And I think once these are gone, they're gone. I think this is all of them that exist still. So if you're interested in one of those books, we have more of them on the website right now, helping out Amy Skinner and to benefit the Todd Skinner Legacy Fund. So go check those out. Link right there in your show notes. Second, Nate has been working with Tension Climbing on a product that fills in the gaps, both literally and figuratively, of the modern campus board. The campus board hasn't changed in decades. Why is that? Was it the perfect training tool the first time, in, in its first iteration? No, not exactly. And we use it for a lot of different things from, you know, the traditional power and contact strength training all the way to endurance training and the more specific you can get in your training the better so nate developed the power strips with tension climbing to fill that gap we've got those on the website right now we've got videos coming about how we plan to use them in our training and why we developed them so there is a link in the show notes if you've got a home campus board and you use it especially for endurance training using our campus punks methods or our foot-on contact strength training, then these might be for you. So check those out. 
Link right there in your show notes. Very quick side note. I've been working on music recently. Uh, the frustrations, the anger, the, the feelings surrounding our current political climate have bubbled up to the surface, and my release was music. It has been for over 20 years, so that's how I chose to release it this time. I've been working with my guy, Devin Dabney, who I've collaborated with in the past, who you heard on an episode recently, and we're working on a project together, the first song of which will come out in the next couple of weeks. I'm probably not the rapper that I used to be, and frankly, I'm okay with that. I'm growing and working with Devin really pushes me to be better because he's so damn good at it. So be on the lookout. All right. A big project that we've been working on for the last couple of years that's finally coming to fruition. We hope to have out this winter. Well, we will have out this winter. Um, You've seen teasers for it. You've seen a little bit on it on the Instagrams, if you follow us there. That's our Crag Kits and our Boulder Bags, part of our Essential Elements line, all dropping hopefully in time for Christmas. You'll be seeing pre-orders for those very soon. Basically, the Crag Kit is a custom-built container that will come already stocked with a lot of the things that I stock my Crag Kit with for skincare, for all of these things that you need at the Crag. We've got a bunch in there. We've also got a list of all the things we would put in there. And ultimately, this kit is just a way to reduce your excuses at the Crag. We want to give you all the tools to be successful while you're there at the Crag, at the boulders, at the gym, whatever it is, anything that pops up, we want to reduce that excuse. So that's what these crag kits are all about. Same with the boulder bag. This bag was born from becoming a boulderer myself. Um, It didn't take me long to realize that when I was switching from going bouldering outside to going and doing workshops in the gyms or just going to climb in a gym when we were in a city, that I was getting discombobulated and I was forgetting things and I would end up at the boulders without something or I would end up at the gym without something because I was constantly switching bags. And and also I didn't like carrying a backpack while I was bouldering. I didn't like stuffing it into my pad and having this big bulge. So I created this bag along with So Ill, both the Crag Kit and the Boulder Bag are a collaboration with my friends at So Ill. They've helped immensely with this process. And I created a bag that can open up completely, lay flat, has plenty of space for things, but not so much space that you're going to let it get cluttered. Um, We thought every detail of this thing through. It looks good. You can carry it to the gym with you on the subway, wherever it is that you're at. It's sort of a cross between a messenger bag and a saddle bag. It just looks fucking cool and is extra useful. So those are coming. Pre-orders very soon. You'll hear more about them. You'll get to see them very, very soon. Let's move on. Do I sound rushed here? I think that's just my life now. I want to get things done. I've got so many things I want to point you toward, so many things I want to let you know about, so many things I want to build to help this community, so many plans, so little time. 
But today, I do want to let you know about my friend Mario Stanley, who you've heard here on this podcast. You heard recently with his friend Donnell Hunter um, in the Black Joy episode, which, like I said, was one of the most special conversations. And the response around that episode has been amazing, so I appreciate that. He has a podcast called Sins and Suffers, and it's still still a fairly new podcast. He does a great job with it. The audio is great, which, you know, for me, drives me crazy if there's not good audio. He does a great job. And recently, he had a very important conversation. We met up in Denver and had a, a big group conversation with black and brown climbers and and people in the climbing industry, the outdoor industry. And one of the people present was Melissa Tomo. Um, some of you may have heard of Melissa's work recently. She had a little bit of a battle with REI and Mountain Project surrounding some work she had done that they essentially stole from her. Um, There's really no better way to put it. She presented them with an idea that was a a brilliant idea. And rather than allow her to work on this project, to pay her to work on this project, they strung her along and then decided to release it on their own. And a pretty poor version of it, I might add. So I'm going to play you 10 minutes of that conversation here, and then I'll see you on the other side. Let's get into it. Mario Stanley and Melissa Utomo, episode 11 of Sins and Suffers. So, so, so quick, quick little insert there um, before we, before we move on. Um, We actually had a second discussion with them in person at OR, where we had representatives from Brown Girls Climb and Access Fund and um, Belay All there present. Um, because I sent the RI representative an email saying, Hey, by the way, Adventure Projects had their video camera on and they had some really inappropriate gestures that I felt like just showed that they had no interest in this whatsoever. And it made me question why I was even there to begin with. So they apologized and they offered to like officially meet. And just to reinforce this whole idea around that they weren't interested in this at all and they were more interested in pushing their agenda we had all the represent like we had a number of representatives who signed on to this um, proposal and them like being my advocates like would as rei was going off talking more about their diversity coalition would raise their hand be like what does this have to do with melissa's proposal to put a button on mountain project and would just get railroaded every time and so it was just it was just frustrating like that was that continued to be the pattern but yeah. So after COVID hit and basically REI gave up ownership of Mountain Project, uh, Mountain Project was then owned, re-owned by one of the co-founders, um, Nick Wilder. Mm-hmm. And so this happened, I don't remember, um, I think it was maybe March or April. Okay. That, that, yeah. We can, we can gut check We don't that. need exact dates. It's <laughs> yeah. in, in the world of podcasts you know, rough dates and rough <laughs> times work really well. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. So I saw that as an opportunity when the ownership changed to bring up this proposal again, because in my mind, I like thought of this, this concept of like, well, Ari, I didn't want to deal with the 
I guess, the intricacies of the issues around route names in climbing. So I guess Nick would be specialized enough to understand that this is a problem. He's owned this product for 15 years. So like I have an in, we can have a conversation and it won't be this whole like political game, merry-go-round kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so we got on a call and he saw my work and um, I believe he, he might've seen my work actually whenever we were trying to hand it off to REI back in, in December, but we spoke in July and we got on a phone call and he essentially told me that, you know, like this hasn't fallen on deaf ears. I appreciate you putting all this work in. I'm just letting you know that I am not ready to do this because I need a plan first. And I told him, okay, I get it. I totally get it. It's a little overwhelming to like, I mean, that's legit to let go of all this power and you need to think about it. But I need to ask you, when are you ready to have a tangible solution? Cause you can plan all you want, but I'm, I'm here to provide a tangible solution, which is a button and a form to mm -hmm. your users. And he's like, well, I'll call you back in four to six weeks. Um, because then that's when we're going to lean on this uh, partner that we're going to announce. And I'm going to lean on them pretty heavily to help me think of a plan and a policy around root names. And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. All right. And it was a different conversation. It didn't feel like this whole power play. It didn't feel like this whole, like him trying to dominate the conversation, I guess. Although there were some things that um, felt kind of odd. Like for example, he was talking about, well, there's just some things that I wanted to think over. Like what about the intentions of the first ascensionists behind these root names? And are we eliminating their ability to learn from these instances? Like, as you saw in Tent Sleep, like, it was really great that all of them, uh, that these first ascensionists, like, thought about what they did wrong. Do we want to rob them of that opportunity? And, then, you know, and there were a lot of these what ifs. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> uh <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go ahead and, like, jump in here. And, like, I, I, by no means am I, like, the most prolific bolter in the world. But I've bolted a couple routes in my time. And I will tell you this. There is nothing that special about the name. Usually the name comes from either too much whiskey because you're drunk and you're like just over this dumb route and yeah. you've been working on it. Mm -hmm. Named after the area, named after something relevant to how you got there and how you discovered it. Or last but not least, the thing that mattered and the thing that had the most intention is the route itself. The actual mm -hmm. movement itself. The root name comes from the individual. The root name comes from the person okay. and it's whatever that person finds comical, funny, or just it's whatever pops in their head. Mm -hmm. You know, now if the whole wall has a name, I definitely understand people kind of trying to keep the wall in line, but like slavery wall, I, which I don't know all the names of that, but I definitely know slavery wall and I never climbed that slavery wall. Uh, right. When I was in Tin Sleep years ago, I definitely find a lot of things like that humorous because I choose to laugh at racist behavior. I choose mm -hmm. to laugh at hatred because, in my opinion, hatred is stupid and you're dumb. I find it funny that someone would have the audacity to say, like, I want to protect, you know, the legitimacy of the root or the inspiration of what I made it. That's not the case. The rock was yeah. cool. The movement was cool. Let's sink some bolts in here and let's call it good. And then whatever everybody decides to chuckle about at the bottom, that's where it gets its name. And yeah. so if we're going to talk about the intentions and what we're, the intentions are is we had a lot of misogynistic mm -hmm. assholes, which granted way back in the day, misogyny, racist behavior, homophobic behavior, all of that was more widely accepted due to violence or mockery or shame, even if anybody in the group didn't agree with that. Mm -hmm. So 
So the integrity that you're trying to creep is bunch of just a bunch of assholes, just straight up pricks. Right. And Over so, anything else. That, yeah. That's not a thing. So I'm sorry, but like, that's not a thing. Thank you. Gosh. Oh, like, and then that's so, cause I'm not a route developer. Yeah. I'm just a recreational climber. Anybody but, can be a route developer, by the way. It's yeah. not that hard. It really isn't that hard. You just need to find a mentor and someone to walk you through the process. Oh, awesome. I would love to do that someday. We'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so there, there was this odd fixation on it, but I just kind of blew it off to the side and for, for a moment can, and was just hopeful that, okay, maybe we're getting somewhere and mm-hmm. this is a different thing. And one day I was just, I don't know, I was just running and I was just, I've been thinking in my head as me and the affinity groups that have signed on to this, have been working in the background for months around this proposal. I'm, I'm, I'm a private person. Like I, I like to work in the background. I focus best when I can work in the background, support other people and just bring in my ideas and my skills. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big social media person, but with all of this uptick in conversation around racist root names because Black Lives Matter uh, researched up again. And then the topic of um, racist root names came up again. And I was like, okay, people are starting to get interested. Whereas before there was barely any conversation around it. Mm-hmm. And part of the intent of making this proposal back in November is that people need something tangible to talk about something and they need either a button or to see all these route names kind of listed out to just finally say, okay, this is a problem because I can touch it and I can feel it and I can see it. Yeah. And so when everyone started in social media talking about um, route names, I was like, well, you know what? Like, yes, I've been working in the background. Yes. I don't really like putting myself in social media out there, but I am a professional. I'm a professional designer and developer, and I've been studying um, accessible technology and what it means to actually be inclusive when you're talking about user experience. And with something like flagging a route name, as simple as that sounds, for a lot of users, you you need to really make sure that it's not when you say that it's accessible, that the code actually is, and that you make a user experience that helps lift the burden off of them. And it's because it's not fun to see a like violent language. I know some people cope with it differently, whether that's laughing it off. But if you feel like that there is access to changing that and you want to empower yourself, you want to make sure that you as a software developer and designer welcome that and you cater to that and you provide them transparency and you give them the space to explain why that's problematic. So at that time, I wanted to put my proposal out there in public just to see, to show and to share the knowledge and be like, hey, I'm a professional. If Mountain Project all of, a, all of a sudden decides to just slap on a button, then we have a standard to hold ourselves up to. We don't just say, oh, nice button. Awesome. Because I've also seen like, you know, for example, the Rock and Ice article where there are these moments, there's a lot of white guilt involved. And so um, a lot of white people will just throw themselves into conversations. POC black people will then have to do damage control in order to to correct that very public mistake and spend a lot of emotional energy around it. Mm-hmm. But what if we ahead of time have that standard and understand what is right okay. and are able to lead that conversation? Okay. So that's that was the motivation behind putting it in social media and just saying, hey, this thing exists. That's cool. So the day that I did that was the same day that Mountain Project released their flagging feature without my knowledge. Oh. Yeah. Talk about Shady McShaderson. 
You can hear the rest of this conversation at Sins and Suffers. It's on every single one of the podcast platforms. You can also find a link right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputers directly to this episode. So please go listen. This conversation is important. I personally have always been a fan of stripping the power away from the first ascensionists. I'm a first ascensionist myself. I've developed sport routes, trad routes, boulders, and honestly, the power that we hand to the first ascensionists, be it bolt placement, be it names, be it sequences, whatever it is, it's too much. That's not what rock climbing is about, in my opinion. You can say all you want that tradition is important, and I agree, but tradition that furthers the culture is important. Tradition that holds it back, maybe not so much. So I think Melissa was on the right track here. I think names that are offensive to people that make it a bad experience, a harmful experience to other people, It's a tough conversation for sure, but one that needs to happen. Also, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, if you've heard the the public service announcement episode a while ago, I don't even know what episode number that is, you know that I am not afraid to go to battle a little bit with the magazines or with the establishment, with the people who make the fucking rules. And I think that step one in pushing back is to hear the other side to hear the conversations to know what's going on behind the scenes if you don't hear these conversations if you're not paying attention if you don't have these people in your friend circle on social media you're never going to hear it from mountain project you're never going to hear it from rei why would you they have the power and i think that as a community we need to hold them accountable for their actions And this is just unacceptable. I personally will no longer be using Mountain Project. I already don't shop at REI. So I'm just not willing to support people who are, as Mario put it, this shady McShaderson. Not interested. What I will be doing is supporting what Melissa is building. I just saw on the Instagrams last night that they have started an Indiegogo fund Um, along with 11 or 10 other climbers, developers, designers, community members um, to build a new reimagined guidebook app. This is exactly why I love this community because we can build something from nothing, we can reimagine, we can retool, we can make better. So I'm gonna support that. There's a link to the Indiegogo fund right there in your pocket supercomputers and you'll also find links to find like I mentioned the podcast you will find uh, links to Mario and links to Melissa both on the Instagram go follow them they're doing great things and you know where to find us powercompanyclimbing.com you can find us on the Facebooks the Instagrams at powercompanyclimbing be on the lookout we've got big things coming and building even bigger things for the future. We want to be part of this new community. I think it's beautiful, and I can't wait to see how it grows. If you happen to be on the Twitter machine, please share their Indiegogo on your Twitters. Tweet it out there. I won't see it because 
We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this